Hey, welcome back to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness. I'm Sean Tice. I'm excited to have my friend, Dr. Kent Canfield, with us today. It's great to have you with us. Hey, it's good to be with you, Sean, and your team. So let's get to it. Fatherlessness is pervasive and it's wounding so many people. We got to address it. I love how direct you are about it. Just real quick before we go into it, you tell us more about yourself and about your organization? Sure. Uh, 1990, I started the National Center for Fathering at Fathers.com. I've been working 30 plus years on this issue and helping dads optimize and be efficient in their fathering. Now, you may say you're not a mechanical engineer. No, 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 no. It's a relational uh, thing that we're trying to build. And we're also appealing to the word of another father and his power uh, expressed through us is going to be a change agent, I really believe. And then you have the pervasive problem of fatherlessness, Sean, which you've been working on tirelessly. If fathers have full hearts and turn them to their own children and have them reach out to a fatherless child or their kids, uh, what we can do is really blunt uh, this 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 curse and this devastation that's just eating away at the land. I just love what you do. I mean, you and I have met several years ago um, in that Georgia at the Father Commission, and I, I love your organization. I mean, you started it when I was six years old, and so <laughs> it's been around for a while. And I love that. I love that longevity. How you've been just doing this for so long. Would you tell us a little more about the National Center for Fathering? Sure. Uh, what happened? I was doing research, uh, PhD in the middle of the country at Kansas State University. And I noticed there was this gap when it talked about parenting, everybody would uh, default to, oh, that's mothering. Uh, fathering was kind of in the background. And then we began to look at the impact, as you know well, of those who don't have a dad in the home. It's devastating. And, you know, the same could be said, not having a mom around, but for dads, it's even greater. And particularly boys, Sean, uh, they need somebody that they can follow and model. But girls, too, as my wife, Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, has testified over and over, the dad-daughter relationship is key. So I amassed all this literature, wrote several books, uh, created the personal fathering profile to give dads a tool to see where they are in this fatherhood journey. And they're doing speaking, teaching, similar to what you're doing, uh, be an itinerant voice uh, for the importance that dads play in a family uh, system. That's so wonderful. Now, let's just go ahead and jump into the issue of fatherlessness. I mean, because I know you have a lot of statistics, a lot of things that you can share about it. Is there anything just to start off with that's coming off the top of your head? Well, it's several. Uh, we have been traumatized. You know, we're the richest, most powerful nation on the planet. We're also the most fatherless. Now, how, do you, how does that work? Uh, it means we as men get busy doing other stuff. We get sucked into activities that take away the dynamism that God has put in our hearts to be a dad or a father figure. So for anybody listening, you don't have to be a biological father. You are a father in, a, in an image. Uh, you may have younger siblings or nieces or nephews, but this fathering void is, is, is devastating uh, so many youth. 
So I looked at what happens when you don't have a dad compared it to what I call father fullness. Now, I know, Sean, because I've been with you, your family, you want to be a father-filled father for your kids. And even though you didn't have it, you fall into the type of being an overcomer father. What you didn't have, you're trying to give. Well, where does that passion come? And here's the secret. If you get what I call connected to another father, yeah, an earthly, earthly one would be good, a model if your dad's not around. But if you get involved in a spiritual way, healing for the trauma, the emotional loss, the physical loss, the relational, you know, gaps there can be filled. And that's the the plan that God has. He wants to fill us as fathers so that we can reach out and share that with our kids first and then with the fatherless. It's his plan. It's laid out in scripture very clearly. You're blessed if you reach out to the hand of the fatherless. I love how the fatherful statement, it's such a such a good statement. And I, I found people in my life that have been have spoken into it. And and I, I appreciate you saying that. And it's it's all been God, um, honestly. And and I'm at the point now in my life where I, I have different people, even such as yourself, where I, I seek out wisdom from um, different individuals. I've even called called you up and asked you advice on different things. And and I feel like we can have our lives spoken into by so many individuals. And it's a blessing to, to be able to have that. Um, can you speak to somebody that is um, looking at maybe becoming a person that invests in others and talk to them about that and any hesitations that they might have? Yeah. Well, two things. Uh, let's just say you're a dad. I tell dads, you can't be the dad you want to be until you're first the son. Now, why do I talk about that? We have to face our own deficits and voids. We fill our life, our body, our behaviors with stuff perhaps that are not good because we're looking for that love, that connection that every child deserves. And when we don't have it, we'll look in many cases in the wrong places. So getting that filled yourself with Heavenly Father, love, care, and compassion will then equip you to express that all the days of your life. And there's great joy in you investing in somebody else. It's not just, oh, I got to sacrifice, I got to give, I've got to take time. No, that's part of the gracious gift you can give to others because it's given to you. And so what I have found is when I am doing what God has called me to do and being a father to my own children and grandchildren and some of their friends over the years that kind of hooked onto them. Why? Because they were father-filled kids and fatherless kids will hook up, not in a, a physical sense, but just in a relational sense with those that are father-filled. But it's incumbent too, Sean, on making sure that we can hear the heart of our father for us. This shame, this pain is, uh, Father Ted Dobson said this, there's a tear in a father's heart and into that tear, demons have fled, demons of insecurity, selfishness, and despair. And it's true. If, if you didn't have that, those things easily come in, but they can be expelled with the love, the power, and the boldness of another father's love for you. So get around other guys that are seeking to live and do what you're doing. And that's going to be a, a support team, just like you've 
sought to do, Sean, in your life and ministry? What would you say to a, a single mom that says, yeah, I'm looking for this for my kids, but yeah. I can't find anybody. What would you say to her? Well, three things. First of all, get connected to God's plan in Psalm mm-hmm. 68, 5. You know, the lonely are out there. The place where God had designed is the church. Uh, it's where there are uh, men, there should be, that have a heart. So if you're connected to a local church, go talk to the leadership of the church, the pastor, start there and say, I have a young son, I have a daughter. Uh, and and for whatever reason, I don't need to get into that. You're concerned that they have that void filled. One of my friends, uh, Mark Strong, Dr. Mark Strong in Portland, he wrote uh, the book, The Church for the Fatherless. This is what Mark does. He's in the urban area. He's African-American. He goes through and sees the fatherless that come and says, bring them here. He takes time to bless them, not every Sunday, but quite often. And, And it's just powerful from the pulpit. He'll say, hey, I read about uh, Sam, he played football this week. Uh, good job, Sam. And he, you know, had a touchdown or something, or I just saw the honor roll and, uh, Tanya, you were on the honor roll. Good job, Tanya. And it's not always looking at accolades, but he's using that position. So get connected to a church. Second, look in your extended family. The second best place to find help for the fatherless is an uncle, a grandfather, uh, a cousin, a, a healthy male figure, and in some way encourage either through the holidays or places, because you're in the family system. It's just like what Boaz did, so to speak, in in receiving uh, Ruth. Uh, and all we know about Ruth, she was a Moabite, but she was joined and nurtured in a way in marriage, of course, but she didn't have a dad who was with her. Her parents were deceased. She was with Naomi. And and here is another place. So you call those people Goel, kinsman redeemer. So look in your family system, look in the spiritual system of the church, and then make sure you vet as a mom the hope behavior you have for your child and find other models and figures to point them to. That's just a few things. I, I love your wisdom. I just, I just, I love asking Ken questions because you just spew things out that are just so much wisdom. Now, now speaking, one of the questions that we get with our ministry is guys that have never had a dad, and you've already talked about this a little bit, but they didn't have a dad. Um, and they're like, how do I be a dad? Anything? Can you talk to those guys? Yeah. Uh, If you grew up without a father, you have to find some models of healthy fathering. They're out there. Uh, Now, they're typically not on TikTok. You have to go to some more substantial. Find a human person. Think of the attributes that you want to instill in your children. This is what Sean did. And Sean, along the way, has picked some leaders that he wants to emulate. And he is doing it, uh, not with perfection, but with positive success. I mean, you know, it, it's so easy to think, oh, I'll never get there and, and get discouraged and so forth. Then make sure you're connected, if if possible, uh, to the mother of your children. Now, mm-hmm. I know the scattered and, and, and difficult challenge marriage brings to the equation, but you as a man wouldn't be a father if it wasn't for a mother. 
It's just the way it is. So a healthy civil connection with the mother of your child is, is so important. And then if you have the privilege to live with that woman, that can be the crown jewel, a healthy marriage that you're passing on in a legacy. And then lastly, I would say there are over 1,190 verses. Sean, I was just down with some prison leaders in a Midwestern state here. And as I talked to the head chaplain, uh, over 24 chaplains in this particular state, he said, one of the challenges and opportunities we've had getting guys who are incarcerated to think about their fathering is, what does the Bible say about fathering? Mm -hmm. Guys, it's a gold mine. Now, I've written 13 books about fathering, research books, statistically oriented books, looking at the etiology and the negative consequences of fatherlessness. It's all out there. But I have found nothing more powerful than reading what God says about fathering. He's vested. Take Deuteronomy 1. Moses is getting ready to take the people in the promised land. He's out there. He's telling them, remember how the Lord your God carried you all through the desert. He carried you to this place just like a father carries a son. Mm -hmm. So what Moses is doing is appealing to you and me. God is like a father. So think of this. I know God wants you to succeed no matter what you've done or no matter what you've inherited because he's vested in the name. His name is the same name you have, dad. And we see it played out more beautifully throughout the scriptures over and over. And, and we see uh, the hands of God being like the hands of a father and the care of a father like Psalm 102. Three says, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed my uh, your sins from you. As a father has compassion for his children, so I have compassion to you. Verse thirteen and fourteen, Psalm one hundred three, and and that's just a couple, Sean. So the richness is there, and you're mining it and seeing the fruit of that. That's so. That's so good. Now I keep asking you different people to talk to. Um, yeah, as you were talking about that, I couldn't uh, help but think about the dad that's walked away. I know your National yep. Center for Fathering. What do you say to that dad? Because I know a lot of dads, like my dad never came back. And he was he honestly didn't want a relationship. He was more concerned with um, his addictions and things like that. But what about the dad that really wants to have a relationship and he just doesn't know where to start because he walked away and he's been gone for a while? What do you say to him? Okay, for those men that are listening, I would say this. You're not alone, and you need to find others who have walked that walk and now, by God's grace, have gotten through and have overcome some of those challenges, and then be raw and real. Say, look, I'm still dealing with anger, frustration, bitterness, etc. What do I do? Well, if they're wise, they have learned to work through some of that. And and in in sequenced way, give you know the the things that they were wounded and victimized and traumatized by to the Lord and grow in a way deeper than if it never happened to them. Now, I'm not saying let's pray for suffering because it makes us stronger, but I guarantee this: God has an eye on you if you're that guy. 
He wants to bless and give you an extra measure of his grace, first for your own children, whatever the situation, and then secondly, to expand it in you uh, so that you become a vocal, um, I guess, uh, call to the importance of, of finding healing and hope in him. Yeah, I think most kids, they want that relationship. Um, you know, I, I would have loved to have had my dad turn his life around and come back into our lives. And he, he never did. And, I, you know, I, I am at peace with God. I have God as my father, honestly. And, you know, I, my dad passed away a couple of years ago. And I, I'm thankful for that. But it, I couldn't imagine what it would be like. And I've seen different stories of it um, where guys had their dads come back. And it's just such an incredible thing to see. Oh, it is. It, it'll. Uh, I just think of. Uh, the dads who are, let's say, in the military overseas, don't you love the videos where all of a sudden they show up in a classroom or a special event? I mean, you start to tear up. You know, this isn't the case for everybody. So you have to resolve it in a way that's different. Let me tell you, we were just at a prison and we had a day where the kids of those men that were incarcerated were able to come to the prison. And these dads uh, had worked through a curriculum. They were ready to make some changes. They were just dying to see their kids for a day. And we had things set up. And this was the most painful part, Sean. I sat over with the guys that waited and waited and waited. Now, you can imagine if you're incarcerated, the other parts of your family may say, this guy's no good. Don't talk to him. Even though you have reached out, even though, and if the prison is far away as this one was in a rural area, they waited all day and their kids never came. And so I sat with them just commiserating, talking, and just, you know, going through the hurt and pain that they're going through. Uh, that may be you. And, and it may be court orders. Who knows? Uh, the mother of your children may have made up a story that isn't true, and then you're kept from your children. I, I mean, that's not uncommon, unfortunately, because those women typically are wounded daughters, uh, mm -hmm. and they didn't get it. And so they pass that wound on, and it just comes down on you. Yeah. Brothers, I just want to say, God's favor is with you and next to you. You have to find somebody where you can share the depth of this pain in a real and raw way. And that's the step to begin the healing process. That's so great. So can you tell us a little more about what it looks like to help a prisoner um, change their path from what they're on? Yeah, this is it. Uh, happened in LA. I was working with a, a team in LA and we would go into the prison, and in L.A. County at that time, there were 19,000, Sean. This is just the county jail. There are five counties in L.A. Now, L.A. Uh, county is the biggest county. You have Ventura and, you know, Orange County, et cetera. But in L.A. County, 19,000. So we'd go in there, and we'd do just simple scripture about the heart of the Father and how God carries us, has compassion on us. Uh, Ezekiel 18 says, you know, you will no longer say this in, in the nation. The fathers, your fathers have eaten sour grapes and your children's teeth. That's you guys are set on edge. I am doing a new thing, says the Lord. And the guys became believers. Crips, Bloods, MS-13. 
And so then what we did is say, okay, we want you to resolve some of that trauma. Here's pencil and paper. I want you to write a letter to your dad or certain things that he did. Uh, Sean, many of the guys, I mean, I read words, expletives, like you don't want to know. They break up the pencil. They were so mad. I said, stick with us because this is real important. I have a few guys read that. And then some would say, oh man, he had it worse than me. And there was empathy there. And then there's every situation is different. And then it's moving the needle. And this is what we did. Two sessions later, we said, okay, we want you to write a want ad, like you're placing an ad in the paper or online for what you wanted as a dad growing up. And so they wrote the most flowery, in-depth. I'm sure, Sean, you could have written something really powerful. And then we put those up here. And then I looked and said, guys, this is you. This is your heart of what you wanted and now you can do. Now let's pull back and let's look at pathways in order to fulfill that for your kids. And then they started thinking you overcome evil with good about how to apply this, that, consistency, active listening, and a whole host of just practical relational skills of which my wife is great at with fathers of daughters. So anyway, that began the path uh, that then made this reconnection possible when they were released. That's so good. Now, now going back to you started this organization, you you have all this knowledge. Did you have a good relationship with your dad growing up? I don't don't know that I remember your story. Yeah. Story is I had a great dad. He wasn't a believer. Okay. He was a hardworking American uh, patriot, uh, served in the air force. I was the oldest child. Oldest children are experimental versions you know, you make your mistakes on them and get better. I have younger siblings. Uh, He was a good disciplinarian and a good provider, Uh, not wealthy or anything. I worked hard, sweated, but it's when I came to know Christ that I went to my dad and said, you know, you've been disciplining me all my life very harshly. He'd be in trouble today if people knew what he did, but he did it out of his own desire to to do for me what I needed because boys need discipline, guidelines, boundaries, and so forth. So six weeks before he died at the age of 84, uh, after me going to him over and over, Sean, he came to know Jesus. It was incredible. My mom had prayed. She was in an orphanage growing up. They married when she was 16. He was 19. And so it was like kids raising a kid, me. They did the best they could. And I so appreciate it. But I I have just a spiritual void, which at that time led me into decadence, drugs, and a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, But I had intact uh, family and a dad who was there doing the best he could. So you have to chew up the chicken and spit out the bones. There's bones in every fathering system. I love that because you're like, hey, I I take the good. I take the good that I had with my dad. Now, I wasn't going to ask this, but how did you find Christ then? Well, it, for me, uh, my mother had come to know Christ watching Billy Graham on TV one night. We didn't go to church. He sent her a living New Testament. 
I was uh, in college at that time. She gave it to me. I'd never read the Bible. I read the Bible and I got high. Now I was doing drugs at that time, but I didn't know, Sean, that was the Holy Spirit. When you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit, that's like the word of God. You want to know what God thinks? Read it out loud. That's God's word. I came to know Christ, uh, Houston, Texas, uh, shortly thereafter. That's that's so good. That's so good. Um, now, shifting gears, we have about ten minutes left. I want to ask you: you, you started this, you started your organization in nineteen ninety. Okay, so what trends have you seen? I mean, we we're seeing some shocking things going on in our nation from from nineteen ninety till now. What trends have you seen in the area of fatherlessness? I mean, from with your organization. Well, a couple. I would say two that are very distinct. Fatherlessness continues to escalate in the abuse and the abandonment category. It just does. It's getting uglier, and you see the long-term effects. Uh, it's uh, in a minority community. I supervised a master's thesis in a Midwest university for a young woman, and she studied the impact on fatherlessness in the minority community. And it was simply this, after two generations with no father, they ace him out. Why do you need a dad? You you don't, you know, because yeah. you don't know what to do with him. And that's why we have this huge problem in the, um, the federal system, rewarding fatherlessness, so to speak, monetarily, which isn't good. Now, on the positive side, it's the best of times. We have more tools, more resources. I mean, the fact that you're doing this, I mean, yeah. this didn't exist 20, 30 years ago. So that is an incredibly good trend. Now, you overcome evil with good. We need to get the benefits of healthy fathering out there for the dad himself. So we can quantify that. If you're a father connected to your kids and reach out to a fatherless kids, guess what? You're going to live longer. You're going to live healthier. Why? Because you're smart. You you adopt less risky behaviors. You're in a, a track to, to pass on generationally, which is also healthy. And, and there are obvious physiological, mental, social, and spiritual benefits for doing that. So I think we need to get that word out. And then to the fatherless, I think they are more prone. There is another father we have to acknowledge right here. It's the fathers of lie, uh, the father of lies. Um, and it could be the fathers of lies because many natural fathers are following him rather than the father of truth, of healing and hope. And he continues to plunder and attack the most vulnerable. You know, I, I'm thinking of... Uh, the Psalm, Psalm uh, 109, where David prayed, 109 verse 12, that um, his enemies uh, would become fatherless children. David knew the power of fathering. So what he said, oh, I want to smoke the enemies. Lord, make my enemies fatherless children, because then you don't have the protection you don't have the care, the current, uh, the concern, the support, and so forth. So you can see how that's being plundered, you know, just in our country, but worldwide. And and it's something that we can displace. Uh, that is fathers who are filled with the father's love. Now, what do you say to somebody that's overwhelmed by it? Because I mean, we you look at the issue and you think, 
what can we even do about this? What do you say to that? Yeah, two things. Number one, there is, uh, it's it's the science of hope right now. Mm. Um, Romans 15 talks about the God of hope. And let me just play this out. In the science of hope, you have to have a commitment. You need to make a commitment, no matter how small or how big, that you're going to go this way and be the best dad you can possibly be or make changes. Then you have to have what's called way power. How are you going to get there? You need to identify the barriers and the things that will keep you from fulfilling your commitment. And if you don't, you'll get mired in that stuff over there. And the barriers could be personal issues, behaviors that are not healthy, even just busyness, or I'm going to let my wife do all the work, or instead of the spiritual part, eh, that's what you have in a youth pastor and pastor. When you start to defer everything, or even some of the strategic things to others, when you're the guy, it, it, it takes away what that uh, baton that you're passing to the genera- next generation could do. And the way that you father your children, they're going to father you. Well, they'll pay- parent you when you get old in the same way. If you have, and so I'm thinking, uh, let's think long term, the way you care for your children and your grandchildren, they will return that as you mature. If you have the relational and the spiritual connections there. We get a lot of people that contact us about they're raising their grandkids. And yeah. what would you, I know you've done extensive work on grandparenting. What would you say to them? Well, first of all, uh, this whole area, you were not geared to raise your grandkids, but mm-hmm. those who are, you get a double portion. What Elisha asked for from Elijah the prophet, Lord, uh, uh, Father, he called him, give me a double portion. I pray regularly for a double portion to be poured on you. There are seven and a half million kids under the age of 18 in the United States being reared full-time by grandparents. So a few things, get connected to the resources that are out there. Go to grandkidsmatter.org, grandkidsmatter.org. We have tons of material if you're estranged from your grandkids because some kids go sideways and they keep the grandkids from you. That's crazy. I know, but it's happening. If you're rearing uh, your grandchildren, you need to make sure you have personal support and well-being. Otherwise, it it is so difficult to do that. So find other grandparents that are doing the same, share ideas, and then gather together what resources you do have and make sure those are allocated uh, first to, to make sure you're being cared for. And then as you're able to, to help the grandkids in whatever way possible, I've just seen incredible stories of kids literally, and you're one, uh, Sean, you're not a kid now that had grandparents that, that did the extra mile and look how they are being blessed now. Uh, they're with the Lord, I assume, and and they're with great joy saying, hey, Sean, keep it up. Keep it up. We love you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My grandparents are definitely special. In my life, I moved in with them when I was in second second grade or before second grade, and I lived with my grandma until I went to college. And so I'm so thankful for them. I love what you said, though. Basically, <clears throat> like they say on an airplane, put your um, oxygen on first and then help your your dependent, your child. And I think that's a great, great way of saying it to help make sure that you're ready to 
help your grandkids because you have been put in this position where you didn't need to, you didn't realize you were going to do it or you weren't prepared for it. And so that's, that's a great, great thought. Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. We have about two minutes left. I want to go ahead and um, just ask you, where can we find more resources from you, from your organization? Where can they follow you on social media? Okay. The best place uh, is to go to fathers.com. We've categorized all the, what I call fathering situations. If you're a divorced dad, if you're a stepfather, adoptive father, natural father, we've done it by ages, infants, preschool or school age, teenage. We have a host of resources there. Uh, for uh, grandfathers that are in this space or grandmothers, go to grandkidsmatter.org. For fathers, fathers.com. And of course, I'd be remiss not talking about uh, Dr. Michelle Watson.com. Uh, the father daughter piece is there. And then on social media, we've been spending a lot of our time uh, on Facebook, uh, just putting stuff out a couple of times a day. Just put National Center for Fathering and you'll get that. And podcasts, Michelle has, I think, about 170 of them now, first class. And they're really good tools. Um, and then, Sean, your ministry is a powerful uh, connector. So I wholeheartedly support what you're doing and seeking to do with the faith community. And that's code word for the church, because the church is the place where God is centering a lot of resources. Thank you so much, Ken. Thanks for that plug. I really appreciate that. Thanks for being on with us today. We, you just gave us so much information to think about, and you were, truly were an inspiration. Thank you, Sean. Always good to hear from you and keep up the good work. To learn more about how you can get involved in fatherless family ministry, visit lifefactors.org where you can find some free resources. You can find our books that we have. You can find some, even the program that we have to help you start a single mom ministry within your ministry or within your church. We can all work together to lead fatherless families to the Heavenly Father.